This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com you are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss To The Top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey, presented by... 4th Street Bar in Hattiesburg. We are here with your break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. We are presented by the 4th Street Bar. They've got specials for Monday Night Football, Chili Dogs, Beer Specials on Bud Light, Dos Equis, Michelob Ultra. You can play football bingo for prizes, as well as $20, 128-ounce beer towers. This Thursday night, they're going to have regular Thanksgiving hours, regular hours, Thanksgiving Eve, opening at 5 on Thanksgiving. So let me get this right. Thanksgiving Eve, regular hours on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, they're going to open at 5. You've got time to register to win Saints 49ers tickets, and they're going to have a few new promotions going on to win swag and prizes. The Saints and the Falcons play this Thursday night, so be sure you, you go up there, 4th Street Bar. If you get tired of the turkey, you get tired of the family, you want to you want to step away and watch some football. Hopefully, the uh, well, I guess it depends on who you're a fan of. Hopefully, your team wins and your team is the Saints. <laughs> Ito's out for the year, so it's fine. The 4th Street Bar is your home for all Southern Miss sports. If it's televised anywhere, they will find it and have it on. Not to mention the best Southern Miss memorabilia collection you'll find anywhere. Visit our friends at the 4th Street Bar on 4th Street, just off Highway 49 in Hattiesburg. So before we get to the news of the weekend, uh, it was announced today that Southern Miss quarterback Jack Abraham would was named the Connerly Trophy finalist for Southern Miss. Each of the universities in the state uh, get to nominate one finalist. There are 10 finalists, and Jack is the one representing Southern Miss. Uh, in the past, Southern Miss has, been, has won the award Four times, Rod Davis, Michael Bowley, Damian Fletcher, and Austin Davis. So you look at statistically, you got to think Jack has a pretty good shot at this trophy. But that being said, you know how uh, the media and the politics in Mississippi work. So we, we will see what happens there. Now this weekend, this past weekend, was a very unfortunate weekend for the Southern Miss faithful. It uh Man, it's just like the wind got taken out of all the sails. It was it was pretty brutal. But, you know, it's what it is. It's football. You know, hopefully we can bounce back this week. As bad as I felt on Saturday night, I felt a lot better on late later Saturday night, early Sunday morning when I saw the scenarios that were still out there. So let's talk a little bit about the game. The Golden Eagles fall into the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers by a final score of 28-10. to 10. Uh, Western Kentucky, a very, very well-coached football team. You could tell from the get-go that they were, I mean, very, they were great at, you know, form tackling. Their players were in position. Just uh, did a very, very solid job 
on the field. And, and they had some breaks go their way. And it just seemed like every break that could have gone our way didn't. They were in our backfield the whole game. Um, you know, we had the play, of course, where Quez um, had a pass. He catches it right there at the goal line. It's knocked out of his hands. It's ruled a fumble. They return it back about, what, 50 yards. And, uh, you know, I guess the, the video was inconclusive as to whether or not it was it was actually a fumble. So they just ruled it how it was on the field. I've seen different angles, but I haven't seen a concise angle of what actually happened, and that's that's pretty unfortunate because that that swung momentum in a huge way. It would have been tied at 14 to 14, more than likely going into the half. Instead, you're you're in a 15 you're in a 14 point hole uh, heading into halftime down 21 to 7. Uh, then late, you know, we had a lot of injuries. Rakeem Booth and Swayze Bozeman, both the starting linebackers for Southern Miss, are injured early in the game. Jack Abraham uh, taken down with a knee injury. His status for this weekend is is uncertain. Of course, they probably won't say. Tate Watley came into the game, um, you know, go three for seven, 65 yards. You know, he just got, kind of got thrown in there. And then you have the the situation there at the end where we're we're down, what, three touchdowns. We drive down into – well, first off, we drive, we're down 14 in the third. We drive it down the field. We get down inside the 10. It's fourth and one. Uh, we run a play out of the shotgun, and they stop our running back in the backfield. It's just like – it was just one of those things where you just couldn't believe that was the play call that was being made. It's one of those, if you line up you know, straight ahead and you try to run it, you don't get it. That's one thing. But lining up out of the shotgun and having a, you know, a play that's not – that swift as swift to develop as necessary it's just kind of a heartbreaker and then you know we were down 21 there at the end we drive down the field uh you know only a few minutes left and we we kick a field goal or then going for a touchdown and that those are the kind of type of things and hop said in the presser today that you know i guess he was doing it he wasn't sure exactly why you know he felt like he might need to do it for computer rankings or something which i mean i you know, um, he said he wasn't sure about the tiebreakers and thought, well, we just need to get some points out of it. You know, to be fair, yeah, we were out of it, but you, you kind of want to – you'd never want to see us uh, wave the – and that's kind of what it felt like there. But a very, very uh, dejected fan base. As the Eagles fall 28-10 to 10 to Western Kentucky. Now, I tell you all that to tell you this. If you look at the scenarios for the championship, so everything we talked about last week, we needed Marshall to lose to Charlotte. That happened. We needed Louisiana Tech to lose to UAB. That happened. If we take care of business, we're in the driver's seat, uh, and we're basically playing Florida Atlantic this weekend to find out who will host the conference championship game. Um, but that's not the case now, so we regroup moving forward. So this is the thing about Conference USA. So Conference USA... They put out a tweet late last night, or yesterday. They put out a tweet yesterday kind of breaking down the different scenarios for what could happen in the conference championship game. Uh, well, what could happen as far as the East and West divisions go. But they took it back. <laughs> and they posted something completely different. So this is the updated uh, list of 
you know, the different scenarios according to Conference USA. At first they said that we would have the three-way tiebreaker because we haven't played in the championship game the longest. And then they apparently retracted that. Uh, I guess they didn't think anybody would see it on their website. I don't know. So these are the scenarios. So in the West, Louisiana Tech 5-2 and two on the year. The Bulldogs can win the West Division title with a win versus and a UAB loss at North Texas. The Louisiana Tech will win a divi- a, at 6-2 and two in a tie with Southern Miss only as the Bulldogs on the tiebreaker over the Golden Eagles. Then you have Southern Miss. The Golden Eagles can win the West Division by winning at Florida Atlantic if La Tech loses to UTSA. Southern Miss owns the tiebreaker over UAB if both schools are 6-2. and two. So basically, you know, you, you need Tech to lose. Um but if you have a three-way tie, that makes things a little more interesting there. UAB, meanwhile, they need – they can't – regardless of what matters if Southern Miss wins. I don't know if there's a scenario or not where they have a shot to win. Uh, so they need us to lose for, to have any shot at the title. So we lose. doesn't matter what Tech does if, if they win at North Texas. So if Southern Miss, UAB – so losing final regular season game and finish six and two the tie would not be broken through the first seven tiebreakers i'm not going to go through all those and it would go down to average computer ranking anderson and hesser billingsley collie matrix massey sagarin and wolf those are the rankings they they choose i saw someone on twitter break these down basically right now louisiana tech has the edge just a slight point differential over us uab is a little further down so if 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 Southern Miss win or lose, so if all three teams lose or all three teams win, I think Southern Miss will get a bump from FAU. I don't expect Louisiana Tech to lose to, to UTSA, although I think UTSA could be dangerous. Um, you know, UAB could have a tough time on the road at, at uh, North Texas. North Texas plays a little bit better at home, although they've struggled lately. Um, but all three teams win. You got to think that Southern Miss, with with Tech playing UTSA and the dip that will give them, and, and Southern Miss playing FAU and the boost that will give them, I think if there's a three way tie, the Golden Eagles will will earn the spot to the championship. So, just got to win and take care of business for any of that to matter, or we need everybody to lose, which is a very very unlikely scenario. Uh, that being said, I'll take it however we can get it, but we really need some positive momentum heading into the off. Even if we we win the game and don't get to play in the championship, we need some positive momentum heading into this off season. So on the other side, you've got Florida Atlantic and Marshall. Basically, Florida Atlantic controls is the only school in this whole scenario that controls their own destiny. If they defeat Southern Miss, they will host the conference championship game the next week. Meanwhile, Marshall, if uh, – you know, Marshall also has a possibility to host. It's going to depend on how those computer rankings shake out when all is said and done. So if Southern Miss beats Florida Atlantic and FIU beats Marshall and Southern Miss wins the West, there's a good chance that Southern Miss would host. Um, if if Marshall defeats FIU and Southern Miss defeats Florida Atlantic and those are the two teams playing, it kind of looks like Marshall would probably get the nod. So there's a lot of scenarios in play as as – deflating as last weekend was there's still a lot of football left to be played i you know some of these fans get really emotional listen i get it but 
back to reality in Conference USA. Anything can happen any given Saturday. It doesn't matter who lost to who in the past. You know, anything is possible. And hopefully we get some guys healthy this week and hopefully our guys have a chip on their shoulder and uh, come out guns blazing when they head to Florida Atlantic. So this coming weekend, Southern Miss taking on the Florida Atlantic Owls. That's this Saturday, November the 30th at 2.30 p.m. on the NFL Network. Fun little tidbit. Yours truly is heading down to the game to cheer on the Golden Eagles. So looking forward to that. Hoping for a great showing in Boca Raton. Now the line for this game opened up at 10.5 in the favor of FAU. And now it is down to 9. Take it for what it's worth. Really doesn't matter at this point. Um, Southern Miss and FAU both look like they have, uh, you know, FAU has the slightly better offense statistically. Of course, you're not factoring the games against the University of Alabama. <laughs> so take it for what it for what it's worth. So let's just look at this real quick. FAU points per game, 34.1, Southern Miss 28.7. Points allowed per game, FAU 24.3, Southern Miss 25.2. Total yards, FAU 443.1, Southern Miss 424.9. Pretty close. Yards passing, FAU 288, Southern Miss 296.8. Yards rushing, FAU 155.1, Southern Miss 128.1. Yards allowed, FAU 393.9, Southern Miss 354.9. Passing yards allowed, 250.5 from the Owls, 246 from the Golden Eagles. And then rushing yards allowed, FAU with 143.5, Southern Miss with 108.9. So big game coming up this weekend for the Golden Eagles. Southern Miss right now sits at 7-4 on the year 5-2 in Conference USA. So we are bowl eligible, and I fully expect us to be uh, – I don't think there's a scenario where we wouldn't be in a bowl, regardless of what happens this weekend. Um, so I, I look forward to seeing what's happen- happening with that, I've seen us projected to go all over the place. Like I said, I'll stick to my projection. If we're not playing in the conference championship game, I think we'll we have a good shot of ending up in New Orleans. If we do play in the conference championship game, I fully expect us not to play in New Orleans just because of the quick turnaround. If we get the um, you know the preference on on that, but you know I've been wrong before. We'll see what happens. So let's get down to it. We have an excellent guest today. Jason sat down a couple of weeks ago with a former Golden Eagle offensive lineman. He's a fan favorite. Please welcome our guest today, Joe Duhine. On the line now, an offensive lineman that went to Southern Miss from 2008 to 2012, um, originally from St. Charles, Louisiana. Had a storied career at Washington Marion Magnet High School. He was a starter on the 2011-2012 win Golden Eagle Fedora-led team. One of my favorite guys, really, to ever wear the black and gold. Uh, You guys can follow him on Twitter, at JoeDuhon68. Welcome to the show, Joe Duhon. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Fantastic, man! Finally, glad that we that we that we tracked you down. I know you're a very busy man, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time with uh, to the top talk tonight. Man, I appreciate y'all for sure. So, 
I don't know about you, but it, it doesn't seem like that long ago that uh, we were watching you out there at the Rock. Um, hard to believe it's it's been over ten years, I guess, huh? Yeah, man. It it seems just like yesterday. I still remember like a lot of a lot of the big memories. Uh, it seems just like yesterday, and I I still talk to a lot of kids nowadays, and it's 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 crazy. Almost been ten years. I know, right? It's crazy. Um, and I want I want to get your thoughts on a lot of stuff today, but. But first, man, let's take it back to your your high school days and kind of where you learned um, the game of football. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Washington Marion Magnet. Well, I, I went to Washington Marion Magnet High School. I, I went to uh, first. I started off at uh, SJ SJ Wells Middle School, mm-hmm. and it was a kind of cross, cross town rival from Washington Marion. And it's like everybody from SJ go, usually goes to Bart, but I, I, I decided to go to Washington Marion back then across town. And it was the, one of the best decisions I ever made. My cousin graduated from UL Lafayette and became a, my offensive line coach, uh, Ronnie Harvey. Oh, cool. He's not, now he's now the head principal at Washington Marion now, <laughs> which is ironic. Yeah. But uh, he came back then, was my head coach. Oh, no, my head coach. My, the head offensive line coach while I was at Washington Marion. And we had some terrific seasons. My, I made uh, first team all district as a freshman. Uh, and – as a freshman offensive lineman at Washington Marion, then sophomore year, all district. Then I made all state my sophomore year through my senior year, all Southwest Louisiana, and so on. And it was, it was I just had a, a terrific time at Washington Marion. And then uh, Frank Wilson came down and offered me a full scholarship to go to attend the University of Southern Mississippi, and never looked back since. Awesome, man. Yeah, you're all district four times. I see here all state twice, lettered in. Lettered in football four times and once in basketball, so you played a little hoops too, huh? Oh yeah, we we always had a great basketball team at Washington Marion every year, but it, it was, I loved it. But it wasn't. I was just I was I was a how do you say it, a chicken eater, as, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Who were um? Uh, did you did you play against? And I've, I talked to a few of my friends uh that have played offensive line, whether it be in senior college or junior college or whatever. And I knew I was doing this interview. I said. You know, um, what's what's one thing that that I could ask this guy? And, and they said, um, you know, ask him who was the toughest guy he ever had to block. So I guess I'll, I'll throw that to you. I know we're talking about high school right now, and maybe you had some guys back then that ended up playing uh, Division One. Um, but who's the toughest guy you ever had to block? The toughest guy I had to block was Ontario's Pope. He uh, we played mm-hmm. in Memphis. Uh, what year that was? I think it was actually a 2011 season. We played against Ontario's Pope, man. He was just a, a solid guy. It was Ontario's Pope and Benny Kerr. That was the oh, yeah. guys we, we ever like really. Sure and, thing. Like, they, they was two like two actual NFL football players to have today. Right, no doubt. <laughs> um, hey, what what was it like uh, coming out of high school as, as far as recruiting goes? I mean, you were, I, I guess, uh, you weren't that long ago. So I guess the the rival sites and the and the stars that players get coming out of high school was was up and running pretty good, um, unlike my day. But um, th- did you have a ton of offers come out of high school? or um, like what? I know you said Frank recruited well, you, but like, what, what kind of led up to that point? Well, Frank was recruiting me at uh, Ole Miss, too, also. And so Frank and I supposed to always was at Ole Miss. And so he was, they were scheduled to recruit me at Ole Miss. And then that's when the year they all got fired from Ole Miss. And mm. so, Frank, so that's when Frank came to Lake, uh, Lake Charles. Went, to, went down to Southern Miss, and then he called me again saying, hey, I, I understand you had an offer beforehand in Southern Miss, and you got an offer now. Because Coach Pollitt 
Uh, I think he's still at Coach Pollard uh, mm-hmm. was recruiting me at Southern Miss too also before Coach Frank Wilson got down there. And so Coach Pollard offered me and then University of Colorado offered me uh, U of H, uh, a lot of local teams like McNeese, UL. And then I was actually committed to McNeese, I mean, <laughs> McNeese, UL for a good period of time until like that was stuff I rolled in big time. I got you. So, I mean, I, I guess you, you were aware of Southern Miss uh, going through high school. I mean, I, t- I talked to a lot of people. They say, yeah, I've kind of heard of them. I didn't know a lot about them, but, but it sounds like you were, you were pretty aware of who Southern Miss was. Oh, yeah, most definitely because uh, Daryl Bennett from what uh, from Lake Charles, uh, he, played a, he played a Southern Miss, I think, like 04, 03, 05, somewhere up in there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he was – we all went to the same high school and everything, so he talked pretty heavily about Southern Miss when he had come home. And I think Coach Bauer had kicked him off the team or something. He had, he had an incident. Oh. He got kicked off the team. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that that was my when I, when I first got to Southern Miss, everybody was like, "Uh, you from Lake Charles?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, uh, you know Daryl Ben?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's my my sister's best friend." They're like, "Oh Lord," it's <laughs> like, "Is there anything like him?" I'm like, "No, nah, we night and day." <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So so you get to college, um, and what was that? 2008, I guess, and uh, and you got a red shirt that year. Um, how, how beneficial do you think that red shirt uh, red shirt year was for you? Oh. Uh, the rest of the year was real big to me. Uh, I, I was a lot. Of, I was real young, and I was uh, real still uh, like real childish at the time. And so the rest of the year like taught me a lot of like a life lesson, like to really mature, like mature up and everything, and and become the person I am today. Absolutely, man. And as far as I'm guessing, like you know, development and just just kind of maybe even like just getting acclimated to the Division One level or just college or being away from home. Maybe that first year getting a red shirt is is kind of a blessing. I think. Yes, it really is, man. And a lot of kids want to get on the field and play, play, play. But, man, red shirt, you get, you get, you get, you get excelled in your books early. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps out big time. Like, in the weight room, if you're undersized, if you're undersized and you help out, you help out in the weight room, uh, and you really get your acclimate to the campus and everything, then you got you got a whole year just to, like to study the playbook. And a lot, a lot of kids is like, I want to play, I want to play. Hey, man. Take the red shirt and take it with a, a grain of salt and run with it. I I, I totally agree, man. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> so in 2009, you, st- you got you saw some action in, uh, in a handful of games. Yeah. Must have been nice to uh, must have been nice to get out on the field and, and just get your your feet wet after you know a year of, of like we talked about getting all uh, all caught up and acclimated. Yes, it, it was big. Coach uh, Cap uh, gave me a, a shot. Uh, me being a a, a redshirt a redshirt freshman, gave me a shot. I got, got a couple action. Uh, played in the New Orleans Bowl. Played in the. You know, I played in about I think seven games. That I actually had uh, time in, uh-huh. and it was man, it was great. It's I knew the playbooks and I knew everything. I knew I knew everything was going. on, watched a lot of film, and I had a I had a, a whole bunch of older guys that like really that was really mature, and really showed me the way. Hey, on the on that note. <laughs> Um, real quick, talk to me about uh, just like offensive line. Like, um, is I mean, I know it helps to be a big guy. Um, I know being big is is part of it, but it's not all of it because you see, like, you know, you see guys like Mark Schlereth that you know is on ESPN all the time. Not the biggest guy in the world, and just one heck of an offensive lineman. So, I mean, how much of it is size? How much is technique? And just um, you know, is is it more important to be strong or or just I guess technically sound? 
Uh, it's a little both. Well, you say like it's, it's really three phases. Being off the line, you have to be smart. Like you have to know what's going on. You have to study it. You have, you have to study your craft. If you don't study your craft, then at all the line because if you don't study your craft, it's, it's, you, you'll miss a lot because defense are in a lot of stunts, a lot of a lot of trickery. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't sit down and watch film about what's all going on, they'll they'll run circles around you. But being being big is is awesome. But mm-hmm. you got you got to be able to move. So you, if you don't have a good feet work to to be a good offensive lineman, it could be it's real hard. And like I said, going back to like the knowledge thing, if you don't study your if you don't study your craft, it's you will have it's gonna be real tough for you. No doubt, no doubt. So so 2009 is over with. It gets 2010 here. Uh, looks like you become the starter. Um, and, and this team, if, if people that are, you guys are listening, this, this 2010 team scored a ton of points. Uh, had some big wins over the likes of Kansas, Houston, Memphis, Marshall, UCF. Um, even some games that you lost, I'm looking at it, uh, you lose by a hair to Tulsa, 56-50. to 50. Lose to UAB, 50-49. Uh, uh, East Carolina, 44-43. to 43. So... You know, I'm just guessing that number one, that year was really fun to play offense, and um, and number two, maybe y'all could just see that this team might be super special somewhere in the near future. Yes, we, we was really like we were building that year. We had a lot of young, a lot of young players, and so, but we had a we had a great offense that year, and mm-hmm. uh, we, we, I think, uh, who was, I think the year Blake Addison took over as the OC. That's and right, we, and we matured big time. I think uh, it was Coach Frank. Uh, Frank, I'm sorry, I can't think his name right now. That's okay. <laughs> well, like we said, it's like ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got past him, and then so we got uh, Coach Blake Anderson as the OC, and uh, once uh, Coach Anderson as the OC, kind of changed the offense up a little bit, opened up the open up the spread real big. And we ran with it, and we got matured, and uh, the rest is history. We came, we scored a lot of points, and yeah, no, it was it was one of the you know, and we could all see it from the from the stands too, man. We were, uh, it, it was entertaining. There's tons of people that showed up to all those games. Turns out, people in Hattiesburg really, really, really love offense. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so it was great, man. We averaged like over thirty two thousand uh, fans. Uh, per game at the Rock, and that was just unbelievable. But at the end of that year, ended up in the Beefo Brady's Bowl in Tampa. I actually went to that bowl, played in the um, what is it, Tropicana Field down there, which is kind of yeah. weird. Um, but um, it, it was nice to play a former conference foe in Louisville. I uh, came up just short, thirty-one to twenty-eight. But I mean, that's that's kind of the theme to this year. Put up a lot of points and just had just to maybe just couldn't get over the hump and, and win those super close games, huh? Yes, that was the big thing. We just couldn't get over the edge, and we 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 couldn't push it over the edge, and over a whole bunch of games. And I don't know, it was just tough. Sure thing. Um, okay, so that brings us to 2011, and and it's it's a year that that you know many people believe is the best team in Southern Miss history. Um, you could at least argue the point that that it's at least in the conversation. Um, you became the starter the year before. Uh, I think you had a, a, an injury or two that kept you out of some games, but this this 2011, you you started all 14 games, left guard, um, just a historical season for Southern Miss that that ended up with a Hawaii Bowl bid. Um, 
I don't know what in the world happened at UAB, <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> but man, just talk to me about that. Your your thoughts on on 2011, and um and you know ended up in the Hawaii Bowl, which which I think was just a dream come true for a lot of people. But talk talk about that 2011 season. Man, 2011 was a great year for us. Uh, we we had a we had, we had a couple choke ups, but it was all all around was a great year. We we, we matured and everything. And uh, we we had an awesome season. Uh, uh, I don't even know where to start. We could go. We could talk for days about this the 2011 season. Sure. Uh, well, playmakers everywhere, right? <laughs> you got Austin Davis. Yeah. You got uh, you got Lamp. Um, and that's on the offensive side of the ball. But let's see, who are some of the defensive guys on there? I'm, I'm thinking of. Uh, oh yeah, we had that year. We had Jamie. Kyrie Collins, Thornton. We had, Collins, uh, right? Kyrie. Yeah, Jamie. Uh, Raheem Nunez. Uh. Uh, who else we had? Uh, he's he's played he playing he played for the uh the Tennessee Titans right now. Kalen uh, Reed playing corner. Kalen Reed, right. uh, mm-hmm. Ronnie Thornton. We had man, we had a, a great team that year, and then we had a we we had both sides of the ball like real, like it was real balanced. And uh, we went out and played some of the guests. We beat, we beat some of the best. We beat Virginia that year at Virginia. We beat uh, UCF at home on a trick play at the end, <laughs> the, the, the throwback pass to Lamar home. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it took him about 19 seconds to go those four yards, I think. <laughs> <laughs> man, it was, man, we had – that year, it was, it was real fun. We got the UAB. And, uh, don't remind me. Yeah. It's so cold. <laughs> we made the trip last minute, went over there. I want to say you guys went up, you know – a couple scores like in a minute and a half or something. And we thought it was in the bag and then you let them hang around and uh sugar bowl out the window. But I mean, look, taking yeah. nothing away from that season, but, but that team, I mean, if you play that game 100 times, Southern Miss wins 99 times. Most, most definitely. And then that's when I, it, it, everybody still talking, talk, talk about today. They threw the ball back, back to me on a flea flicker. And I, and, and I pissed the ball. So everybody kind of still mad at me talking about, I blew the off. The All Star, I mean, the All State Sugar Bowl game. Oh goodness! <laughs> I got you. Well, that season was awesome. We all enjoyed it. We're, we're looking forward to the next year. Of course, that's when Fedora uh, gets to uh, gets to jump over to North Carolina. And hey, you know, more power to him. Um, but, but he was he was your coach uh, all the way until your senior year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you know. And we don't have to get too much into this, if you really don't want to. But 2012 <laughs> kind of marks a very dark time in Southern Miss football history. Um, just and and again, if you want to just skip it, great. If you don't, then I, I can dive into it too. But just, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, what the hell went wrong that year? We don't we don't have to slam the staff or or anything like that. But but you know, I think that we had the most experienced uh, offensive line in the nation coming back. Um, I think a very capable quarterback. You talked about all those other, all those players: Kalen Reed, Jamie Collins, Ricky Lloyd, Dominique Sullivan, Hardy was on that team. Jalen Richard, um, Thornton. Who else? Nick Rochez, Rashad Hill was on there. That's like at uh, least like six or seven yeah, yeah. NFLers on that squad. What happened? <laughs> Man, it, it was a it was a big change. We ran the spread offense uh, for all for the past, you say four four years of Fedora. Mm-hmm. And then when they came in, they, they changed the offensive the offensive scheme up all the way. They want to run back, go back to the NFL style offense. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Went back to the NFL style offense, and uh, 
just slow everything down. And like we, we were so we were so accustomed to being a spread offense team, and it just was like a lot of a lot of bickering about who's right and who's wrong, and and it was just it was horrible. And like so in the weight room, we didn't we didn't do like power cleans. We didn't do it was a lot of stuff that we didn't do that we did the previous with Paul Jackson. And so it was just like, it was a lot of old fashioned stuff that we did. And a lot of us didn't agree with the, with the system and everything, but then we, we actually bought in when like the season started and everything, but it was, it, it didn't work out at all. Right. Um, and, and thanks for your thoughts on that. Uh, what do you say to the people out there that, that just straight up blame Fedora saying they left, left the cupboard bare, didn't do any recruiting. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? You can't, you can't really, you can't really blame Fedora. Fedora, hey, if, if somebody offered me multi-million dollars more money to go somewhere, hey, I love the school and everything, but hey, you got to take the money, you got to take care of your family. So you really can't, you really couldn't blame Fedora for that decision because he's just looking out for his family and looking out for his stuff at that time. So when it comes to Southern Miss, the first thing they tell you, don't come somewhere for the coach. Come somewhere because you want you love the school. That's sure the thing. biggest thing. And so, and so Fedora, Fedora's coming to uh, Southern Miss for the money. He is, he's a coach. He's taking care of the family. So it's all about mo- the money for him. Yeah. He has no loyalty to Southern Miss. And it was just – he took care of his family and, and bounced out on us, but hey, I don't, I, I can't blame him because he, he gave us all. And yeah, came here, won a championship, right? That's kind of what you, uh, when when you sign the contract, you say, hey, I'm going to get Southern Miss back to the top. I'm going to want to win the, wanna, you know, win win the conference championship. So he did it. So and then you get like a million dollar raise. What in the world are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, you, um, got, you got you got to take it. Yeah, sure. So anyway, man, and thanks for your thoughts on that. Uh, I, I hope that you know, because I know there, at the games that year, there were some boos. I was one of them. There was booing. And I, I just want you to know, if you heard any boos at those games, it had absolutely nothing to do with the players. Um, in some ways, I'm kind of glad that it happened because it kind of got rid of him. But um, I, I just want you to know that I think I speak for the entire fan base when I say, like, we loved y'all. We knew that it wasn't right, and we were ready to move on. Hey man, y'all, y'all probably were the only ones going. You probably heard some players going too. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, all right, man. So college is behind you now. Um, you're graduated. Uh, at that point, what was on the horizon for for Joe Duhon? Well, I tried the NFL route out. Didn't didn't make it too far. I kind of, I kind of, I was I, I was one of those players that got in the law about us losing and, and playing down to the competition and being aggravated the whole season. And which kind of hurt me big time. And, but it taught me more of a life lesson than anything. It taught me about life values, but everything is like, everything is not like guaranteed, you know, like I, I just knew I had a guaranteed NFL, going to the NFL, playing the NFL ball, but it taught me life lessons. Like, like I said, like everything's not guaranteed. And so it brought me back down to life and probably one of the biggest, one of the biggest life lessons I've ever had in my life. What do you, uh, what, what do you miss the most? Uh, I miss Eric. I miss like game days, man. Like just being the, the atmosphere right now. That's 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 my biggest thing right now. Just being around, being around the guys, hanging out. But you know, everything got got to grow up. <laughs> got to grow up every blue moon. <laughs> you do have to grow up eventually. Sure, no doubt. So, 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 what are you doing these days? Uh, I'm a detective for the combined anti drug task force right now. Uh, been there for about two the past two and a half years. 
I work well, I work, I work at the tax repair sheriff's office. Oh, but cool. I'm a detective on with the uh, commander anti drug task force and it's yeah, it's a lot it's different. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um do you ever get back to the rock? Yes, all the time. Okay. All, well you gotta swing by the, the tailgate time. one of these days. Oh yeah, most definitely. I might have to come down there. I'll probably catch one more game this year. I think I think we have uh if I'm not mistaken, I forgot who we have Western Kentucky left, and as far as the listeners, uh, this is this interview has taken place uh, after the UAB game, uh, the Tuesday after the uh, after the UAB uh, absolute beatdown last weekend, which was awesome. Um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, we have one more game left. It's it's uh, Western Kentucky's coming to town. I don't have the schedule up in front of me right now, but uh, I say we have one more left. You know, there's still an outside shot. I need a little help, but there's an outside shot we'll, that we'll get that sixth game if we're able to host the uh, conference championship, mm-hmm. which would be just, I That's think, incredible. Thing. I think that, I think the, yeah, atmos- got- the, the atmosphere would be just absolutely electric. Um, but about these guys this year, I'm always curious to t- when, when I talk to people that did stuff that I didn't do. Like I played a lot of baseball, so I feel like I'll watch a baseball game, specifically the middle infielders, a little bit different than maybe – uh, somebody that never played it. Um, but what do you think about this crop of, of O-linemen we got this year? And, and, and I guess if you can, maybe explain to me, like, like when you're watching, uh, how they move around, I don't know the technique. Um, are, are you watching for stuff like that? Or are you just watching, um, are you just watching the game like everybody? Or are you looking for, for, for like different, um, like how they're working together or does any of that make sense? But yeah. My biggest thing, where people probably get mad at me because, if I go to a game, I just watch the O line like in whole. I don't watch like really like watch the whole game, mm-hmm. but so, so I watch straight O line. And but it's we're young, we're real young at the O line, and we we come it's coming around, but it's coming around slowly. Mm-hmm. But I give, give it a, like probably like next year the guys will be mature. They play together, play together, play with each other for a couple of years, and they'll probably be a lot more mature because. I don't know the new scheme or whatever, but I got a friend, Jason Ball. You, you probably you probably didn't see him in the stand and, mm-hmm. and, and heard of him. And so, like the games I don't make, he he always updates me in Facetime. He's doing the games and, and he, all he watches O line. Man, we need twenty eleven offensive linebacker. We need twenty eleven offensive line <laughs> offensive linebacker. Yeah, well, the the good thing about these guys is, is a lot of them are super young, like you said, which is also kind of the bad thing about them, right? <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, but the great thing is, you know, I mean, Jack's going to have the same guy snapping it to him the entire time here and, um, you know, and, uh, and it seems to me like they're coming together, uh, every single game, but is there, is there a, I guess like a communication between the linemen, like before, like pre-snap, is there, do you just kind of know the guy next to you? Is there a, is there a certain rapport, uh, that, that, that you get with, with, with your, your fellow offensive linemen? Yeah, um, so when, when, when you watch a lot of film, the film study comes back. Um, so you get like a lot of pre-snap reads. You know, kind of like you know, like if if the if the, the linebacker is hanging like real far out, it's kind of like a still a blitz. If he's hanging tight, it's kind of like a uh, it's like different blitzes you pick up. And so it, it's like a, a lot of pre-snap reads coming like with film study and. Like, yeah, a, a lot of pre-snap reads. Yeah, gotcha, you, gotcha, gotcha. Like the, 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 the film, the film study is real big, and I, I, I know that I know I, I, nine times out of ten, they're probably watching a lot of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's cool, man. Well, no, that's, that, that gives me something to something to look for, and it's, it's very interesting. I love hearing from you guys about just stuff like that that I would never know. I never played. Um, but well, dude, I tell you what, man. Look, we we love you here at Southern Miss. Uh, hope you feel the love, and and then hope you felt the love then. Hope you still feel it now. Um, thank you so much tonight for your candor and insight, really, and uh, I really appreciate it. Is there anything that you would like to say? Uh, to Golden Eagle Nation um, on your way out the door here? I'll sub miss to the top. To the top, baby. That was Joe Duhon. Appreciate Joe coming on the show. You can follow him at Joe Duhon 63 on Twitter. Let's talk a little basketball. Southern Miss taking on the Iowa State Cyclones last Tuesday. That's November the 19th. Gold Eagles fell 73-45. to Hung in there early. Iowa State's just, a uh, you know, one of the elite teams in college basketball. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but hopefully the Golden Eagles can grow from that. And they bounce back with the revenge game this past Sunday, November 24th, defeating the William Carey Crusaders by a final score of 83-64. This coming week, Southern Miss will take on Gonzaga this Wednesday at 6 p.m. That's going to be uh, in the Battle for Atlantis. It will air on ESPNU. The Golden Eagles have their work cut out for them, but this will be a great test for our young Golden Eagle team and will definitely help us prepare for the future. As we sit right now, Golden Eagles are 2-3 and three on the season. Now, women's basketball. Women's basketball has been off to a hot start, currently 4-1 and one on the year. Uh, this past week, they took on the Ole Miss Rebels at Reed Green Coliseum, defeating the Lady Rebelettes or Rebels or whatever, the Lady Sharks, uh, 59-53 uh, this coming Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. They will take on Mississippi Valley State in the Lady Eagle Thanksgiving Classic before taking on Virginia Commonwealth this Saturday at home as well. All right. I'll also, I'm not going to go through the whole slate on this. You can look it up, but if you haven't seen it just yet, the baseball schedule was released this uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, not a lot of flash on the schedule. I think there's some things that fell through, um, so I don't know what happened there. Don't really, uh, you know, neither Ole Miss or State uh, are coming to Hattiesburg this year. We play them at uh, in uh, Pearl. Um, also, we're going to Alabama. I mean, there's some there's some solid. I mean, it's, I mean, it doesn't really matter who we play at home. It's always going to be fun. But was kind of surprised at the uh, the schedule this season. But hey, it's what it is. We, you got to play the teams that'll play you. So hopefully, we can go out there and win another conference title in baseball. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Be sure you follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington, Jason at Bumper J Bailey. And uh, on Facebook and Instagram as well. Got to give our shout-outs. Shout-out to 4th Street Bar in Hattiesburg. Shout-out to collegesportsunfiltered.com. Brian Renfro, Susan Bailey, the men of Sigma Chi, the Theta Delta chapter, the men of Pi Kappa Phi, the Theta Alpha chapter. Shout-out to Kevin Rogers. If you want to support the show, check us out, patreon.com slash to the top talk. Next comedy show coming to Hattiesburg. Uh, he's a local favorite. He's a New Orleans native. Sean Patton at Thirsty Hippo on Saturday, December the 28th, 
2019. You may have seen Sean on Esquire's Best Bars in America. He's had a Comedy Central half hour. He's been on Conan, Fallon, uh, just a, a hilarious performer in person. That's going to be uh, an amazing show in the Hub City. And I got a text from my buddy Hannibal Burris earlier today, and he is doing something in Isola, Mississippi. This is going to be on December the 13th through the 15th at Players Palace in Isola, Mississippi. That's right, Isola in the Delta. That is where uh, his family's from. His grandmother still lives up there. I guess when he comes home to visit, he's tired of getting bored. So he's putting on a festival. Comedy, music, special guests, a landlord fashion show, and a motivational speaker battle. You can check all this out and more at isolafest.com. He has a very, very special guest uh, coming to perform in Isola at his cousin's bar. Um, I was surprised to hear it. It is. Hopefully it'll be announced this week, but uh, you can go to HannibalBurst.com or IsolaFest.com. If you're in the Mississippi Delta, that is sure to be a riot. Sure to be a good time. Um, I don't know what to tell you about hotel reservations. That's good luck. You might want to bring an RV or a tent or something if you're going to go to the first ever Isola Fest up in Isola, Mississippi. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Wish me well this week. Looking forward to a a bounce back game for the Golden Eagles this week. Um, Like I said, still a lot of football to be played. And, hey, as long as we got a chance, let's do it. As disappointing as the weekend was, hopefully it was just as disappointing to the coaches and players. And uh, hopefully we bounce back take it to Lane Kiffin, and uh, and get back in the mix for another Conference USA championship. I don't think, you know, I was talking with somebody like, you know, who deserves, I don't know if there's any team that necessarily deserves the championship this year. So let's just go, if, if the opportunity is there and we can make it happen, let's go get it. I mean, we got nothing to lose this weekend. Nine-point underdogs at this point. Um, we could use something positive to happen, uh, not only for the football program, but for the university. And, uh, Hopefully we can get some momentum going heading into the uh, hopefully the conference championship week, but if not, hopefully into the off season. Look for True the Top Talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating and review. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.